All right. Um, I am actually, um, I'll admit I'm a little unprepared for this, and so uh, I think some of this should be directed by questions because I could talk for quite a while about writing for Chaosium. I'll give you an overview of what's happening behind the scenes with the game line. Um, I am the line editor. What this means is that I uh, have a list of games. We've basically got this legacy of tremendous products that Chaosium has purchased for, or purchased, published for RuneQuest over the years. And um, because all of the, uh, the four owners of the company are quite huge fans of RuneQuest and Glorantha, there's a lot of interest in revisiting many of the classics. And so what that means is that from day one, I had an enormous shopping list of, these are the products we would like to do. Um, this, this list is, and is probably completely impossible to fill. It's uh, got so many products. Everybody wants to see like, you know, a new version of, for example, a new version of Sun County or a new Griffin Mountain has, has been suggested to me yesterday. Um, so basically I have, um, when I started, there was a, a bit of legacy, some projects that were begun back um, before Chaosium, before the new owners actually took over Chaosium, things that were going to go for, um, either be done for HeroQuest or for, um, uh, uh, as possibly um, for Moon Design as uh, supporting that line. So anyway, everything started to come over for the new game. Um, and I've been in a process of occasionally, I consider them to be a, you know, the uh, occasionally, this hasn't happened in quite a while, but there would be these stories of people who would find like Japanese soldiers out on islands in the middle of nowhere and they were unaware the war had ended and they would suddenly resurface 30 years after World War II ended and be, you know, old men falling out of trees and saying like, oh, I'm, I'm here to win the war. Um, I have a lot of writers like that, people who come in and who Jeff remembered. He's saying, oh yeah, I talked to this guy at a convention in... 2014 and he started writing a new version of X and then he went quiet for four years and then suddenly he's emailed us with a new like I have my manuscript complete and uh, it's often a little crazy because then I start saying oh, okay now I have to deal with this uh, manuscript that's been developed in complete seclusion for four years without any you know any idea about what's really uh, happening with the line but all of that has worked out to the point where now I'm pretty aware of what's going on with all the different products we're doing. Um, I uh, basically now have a fairly fleshed out list of projects going. There's room for more pitches and more uh, uh, stuff because honestly Glorantha is gigantic and we could publish six books a year from now until you know, the heat death of the universe and probably not cover all that there is to cover and there could be even more. So, um, so what I'm saying is if you have any interest in writing for us, please contact me. I've got cards I can give you, but my email address is pretty simple, jason at chaosium.com. So even I can remember that, which is good. Um, and uh, basically, I start working with these writers. In some cases, if a manuscript has already begun, there has to be a little bit of retrenchment because my primary focus is that every product we publish have both a player-facing side and a GM-facing side. So I regard player-facing stuff as being things players can use, like new background options, you know, new homeland uh, description stuff, so that you can basically create characters in that land 
new cults, new things that really interest players and that players can invest in. Because I think that, um, you know, if I, uh, I think that there's a, a lot of people who would love to buy stuff but can't justify it, you know, in their head, they're like, oh, this is a GM book. But I think if books always have stuff that players can use, that's a good thing. Um, because I think that the more you kind of get into the ecosystem of the game, the longer you're going to play it and the longer you're going to enjoy it, you're going to spread that gospel to other players, which is all a good thing for everyone concerned. It means that you get more players to play with, and it means that your game publisher, like Chaosium, is able to keep publishing these nice games for you. So, um, so generally, I work with writers. We try to make sure that there's stuff that both players can use and GMs can use, we go through, we figure out what that is, and then we define the content, and we define how deep is this going to be, what's the best way to sort of open that content, you know, what's the best lens that you can sort of shine a light on that content with and get, um, get the GM to understand the content um, in a way that is easy to present to players rather than just a vast wall of information, and, um, and so on. I mean, I can... Um, there are some things that I'm quite excited about that I think we'll be doing soon. Um, one of them I'm doing is a, uh, or rather I'm not doing it, but my writer is doing it, and then I'll, I'll get to do it, is uh, we get a lot, a lot of people wanting to have more information about playing uh, non-human characters. Show of hands here, how many would like to see for the new RuneQuest? If you're a player, all right, well, I have a book for you. It's going to be a new book. Um, also called Elder Races, um, like the old book, and this will basically go through the, uh, the bestiary, which had very abbreviated versions of creating uh, NPCs for each of, or rather playing player characters like Dark Trolls or Ducks or Moracanth or uh, um, some of drag, they're the ones that we've decided are, you know, there are a few that we decided will not be player characters, and Dragon Newts brew for obvious reasons, um, but Minotaurs, <laughs> yes, um, and a few others like that. I think we've got uh, 20 or so playable races in the uh, bestiary. And so we've commissioned an author, Richard August, really great guy to work with. Um, he has, uh, he's basically going through each of these races and coming up with background tables for them, um, personal histories, a little bit of parent histories, which can be quite fun. He's working pretty heavily with Jeff and extracting a lot of information from the guide to Glorantha about like what's going on with the different races in this different periods of time, which can be interesting based on their different lifespans, and um, basically allowing you to create your characters in the same way that they come out as real as a full RuneQuest character or adventurer does. Because, you know, the um, like if you use the rules to create an adventurer, a human adventurer using the, the core rulebook, you end up with a really robust character with this well-established background, all sorts of personal history, little quirks, passions, uh, loyalties, fears, um, maybe even a magic item or something from their history. So they're quite, uh, quite detailed and in-depth. And then if you decide, oh, I'll create a, a minotaur, you basically have one profession and you you don't really have a lot going there. So we want to make every single one of these races feel as exciting to the player characters uh, or to the players as uh, it is. So he's doing this and then each one of these will have all of this information, new background tables, stuff about family, and then it will um, will have a full-fledged uh, NPC version of the character that will be created along the lines of the pre-gen characters from the uh, 
the core rulebook. So GMs can use these as sample characters. They can create NPCs for use, uh, for use in games exactly using the same method. And the players can use these for their own books. So I would say that is kind of a perfect uh, blend of that uh, the player facing and GM facing thing and that it's a, a good reference for everybody. Um, there's a, like Jeff's magnum opus, the uh, Cults of Glorantha book, that is um, going to be a huge two volume set. It's, uh, he keeps writing on it and I keep saying, you must stop, stop. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but I just did the gods for the Triolini. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, and then after that, you need to stop. And he's like, oh, but now I've done Sartar as a, a god cult. And then you must stop, absolutely. So when I get back from uh, this trip and from Dragon Meat, I have to absolutely, uh, as I say, probably administer a, a cattle prod to say no more. All right, I need to put this book into editing. But that book, again, it's an invaluable GM reference because it has all of the cults, all of the history, all the mythic history of the world. And at the same time, it's an invaluable player reference because this will have all the cool stuff you need about your cult going far and beyond what uh, the uh, core book offers, which is a very short cult write-up. And um, as we all know, Glorantha the cult is uh, the primary, sort of like one of the defining aspects of your character, like what god you worship and whatnot. So that book should be coming out um, that will follow the five that I've mentioned. And another book that spun out of that, which was kind of a freebie, is Jeff decided to take all of the spells from the core book, from the, um, from the bestiary, and from the new cults books, and he's got what he calls the Red Book of Magic, will be the, I think, did we auction one off yesterday? Yeah. As part of the silent auction, yes. And that's the, the basically the grimoire for Glorantha, and that should be another book that is one of those invaluable table reference books that I think will probably, if I had my druthers, I would shift that forward so it came out first, but because it came out the way it did, it is uh, a little later in the production queue. So, um, so that's like an example. I basically work with the writers. Um, we come up with a core outline. We break it out into word counts and deliverables, um, deadlines. I, I know this will horrify probably any project management oriented people here, but I'm pretty soft on deadlines because I find that it's a little source of great frustration <laughs> to tell a writer this is the deadline and then I have the writer say, oh, I, my computer died, I'm going to be late, okay, and you know, all of these things happen the most. As any editor knows, there are a num any number of outlandish reasons that are all perfectly valid why a manuscript <laughs> is going to be late. So I generally want to hear from the writers themselves. I say, when do you think you can have this done? All right. At that time, I will start hassling you about it. Um, but anyway, books get done. They come back to me. They go into editing. They go over to Jeff for a canon review where he sort of goes through them and says, oh, this is the, that's the wrong uncle and so-and-so. <coughs> and he looks at the family trees. And every so often, he gets stuff wrong. And so we have another uh, lengthy argument chain on our Slack channel about, uh, usually between Jeff and Ian, about uh, various aspects of Glorantha lore. Um, and then we finally all settle down and everyone gets happy and we uh, push the book over to the art director. They get all the art solicited, write uh, art briefs, send those out, come back in, send it into final editing and layout and there you go. We do a soft release that is generally the PDF first. We send that to proofreaders. 
and we will make it available to a select few of our hardcore players and fans that we trust for un uh, absolutely brutal feedback to just let us know if there's any typos or any uh, any bits that aren't clear. We do a final pass on the PDF and then we release it to the 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 general public for sale, and then we take any feedback, any additional errors that are uh, we receive, and then send them through to uh, to the printer as one final go-ahead. Um, and so that is our process. I mean, what the process of writing for Chaosium is like, it's a bit of a challenge because uh, Glorantha is, of course, a gigantic setting with a lot of history and a lot of contradictory history. Um, which is both wonderful from a creative sense, but it can also be a source of frustration because I frequently end up with a lot of writers contacting me and saying, I have two references that are completely irreconcilable. Which ones are, which one is accurate? And then that has to be sort of debated. And we decide, okay, we'll go with that. Because the one thing we have learned is that um, finding that a lot of um, fans these days are a little, maybe, Maybe the, the mood has shifted a bit, but I think people are generally a little happier with a more consistent treatment of the setting. Um, and that the Your Glorantha may vary is a great table rule, but oftentimes we find that uh, fans are not that excited about um, source material that is contradictory. And so um, it's our job now to sort of make sure that there is a bit of wiggle room and that there is some grayness or undefined aspects of the setting, nothing that we say absolutely can't be defined, but there's a certain level to which we say, it could be that, could be something else. We're not going to nail that down yet. But um, we find like maps, for example, there was a, uh, an issue where we had, for the rattling wind scenario that we just released, the map was, the story said it was set in the foothills of the Quivin Mountains. And so I had access to this old Greg map that showed the Quivin Mountain there and foothills carefully labeled underneath it. And so I said, that's where it is. It's foothills of the Quivin Mountain. And then we released the thing and then Jeff went, wait a second, no, that's the foothills to the west of the Quivin Mountains. And I said, there's no foothills there on the map. And he said, oh no, but that's where that is. And so we ended up with a lot of fans going, this makes no sense because it's in the wrong section. And I kept saying, this is the map from Greg Stafford. I'm not sure where the confusion is here. But anyway, that got all resolved. Um, so anyway, so if you sometimes as fans see stuff that seems a little contradictory, let us know. And um, in some cases it's deliberate, but we're trying to sort of work to the point where that won't be such an issue because it does make it a challenge for future writers. And now there's a little more planning of uh, how will this affect the writers on future projects to come. Um, I would like to open the floor now just for questions about stuff, because um, I'm going to assume that of the, I don't know, 40 or so people in the room here, maybe, that only a percentage of people are actually really, really interested in writing for Chaosium. So I thought it'd be a little more interesting too to just have people ask questions about like stuff that's in development, a little more of the continuation of yesterday, so that it's more interesting to everyone here. You have a hand. I actually do have a question that is about writing. All right. So with regard to a new unknown writer, yes. how would you go about that? Would you give them the writing first? I would say send me a pitch. Um, 
And uh, generally, I'm not super eager to do uh, tryouts because I find that that's a, um, a waste of people's time sometimes. Yeah. I would much rather have somebody send me some finished work that they've already got. Yeah. Um, like, you know, for example, I had a friend who um, was, uh, he was doing a pitch for, or he wanted to write for a game company I will leave nameless at this point. And um, they published a lot of splat books yeah. for um, a particular game line. What's that? <laughs> I've got a couple ideas to it. Uh, no need to go further. But anyway, like the his tryout was to actually write a complete splat book mm. for them. And so he, I think he had to write some 30,000 words yeah. for a product that had no hope of ever being published because they already had a manuscript in hand for that. And so, I mean, I was thinking, what a tremendous just waste of effort. You know, 30,000 words. It's not, if you're a professional writer, that's generally, I mean, at the very least, it's a week's worth of solid writing time, you know, dedicated all day, you know, nine to five, few breaks, lots of, very little time for research. If you're a, a non-professional writer, that could be a couple of months work or even longer. And so um, I'm generally more interested in like, what do people want to write? Um, how much passion do they have for it? Can they write a treatment, which would be like a three to four page, just like this is what it's, the book is trying to do. I mean, that's another thing I try to focus on with all the work I do is um, I try to ask somebody like, what is the statement you're making with this book? I mean, like, why does this book exist? You know, or why does this product or this article exist? Is it filling a need that's out there? Is it just exploring something <laughs> you've got? Who would be interested in this? And then trying to sculpt the outline and then eventually the word count and breakdown to do that. And usually by the time we get to that point, I've figured out whether you know the writer is able to do that. And unfortunately, I mean, like in the real world, um, you know, I mean, maybe like internet dating, a lot of times you uh, you go all the distance there and you think this is gonna work out, and then they, you know, you never hear from them again. And so um, that happens frequently where writers just uh, decide they're too busy or whatnot. So, or, you know, they just uh, realize it's a bigger task than they could handle. Like, uh, like National Novel Writing Month, uh, mm -hmm. where a lot of people start out strong on November 1st and then by November 10th, they're like, what am I doing? <laughs> so, yeah, I was like kind of echoes stuff in my your work. Yeah, the going dark is rough because yeah. then generally you can end up with a lot of drift from maybe what the editor is thinking about and frequently, frequently the things that I dread hearing the most are, oh, I had this idea for, and it's like, that would have been great if you communicated that as a question rather than a statement after yeah. the fact. But you know, it happens. I mean, we end up, I try to do a minimum of sending work back and forth. Um, generally, if a piece of work is more, mostly there, I'm happy to carry it over the finish line as a writer um, and editor rather than a lot of uh, rewrites and whatnot. So um, my goal is ultimately that, you know, I give enough writers enough guidance and enough uh, feedback early in the process and throughout that by the time they hand me a finished draft, it's 90 to 95% of the way there. So, 
So there you go. I hope that answers your question. Any others? You. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, we would absolutely love to um, be publishing some Glorantha-related fiction, and um, including graphic novels and whatnot. Um, I cannot say anything about any projects that are in development now or any arrangements. But, for example, if you are interested in becoming involved with anything like that, contact me or contact James Lauder, who is our fiction editor at um, uh, Chaosium. And he is probably, I guess, one of the most respected editors in the, uh, I can't say, speak highly enough of James. Um, he's one of the most respected editors in the pen and paper space. And it's actually a, um, it's a blessing that he has decided that this is going to be the battlefield on which he will fight. And that he is fighting on our side is amazing. And so, um, we're finding that we're actually getting a lot of, uh, of uh, respect from even outside the game publishing industry, which in some cases has been its sort of distinct little private, uh, almost uh, its little suburb of mainstream publishing. But we would like to get uh, Chaosium's publishing wing back up to the heights that it was before and make Glorantha and RuneQuest-related fiction as a, uh, a pillar within that. Um, Perhaps Mob would like to say something about that? Or are you able to? About fiction and graphic novels? Or should I leave that to um, oh, can I just briefly say that, as Jason said, we have a fiction editor, James Lauder, and it is definitely something that we have put back uh, on the agenda. Um, you may be aware that uh, James has been doing a very solid job over the last several years unstuffing up what had been done <laughs> in the fiction line before. We, we had some issues with some authors who hadn't been paid properly and other things yeah. like that. And we, uh, we were also on the um, horror writers and science fiction writers of America shit list. Oh. Um, we were. We were yes, but which is really bad. So that's a list of do not do not work with these publishers because you know you won't get paid and, and things like that. And that's a really bad list to be on. Yeah. Uh, is it formal no or informal? This list? No, it's on their website. Yep. It actually lists <laughs> publishers that say don't work for them. And I could put some games companies up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. But but we are no longer on that list, and that was very solidly due to the hard work of Jim to track down all of the uh, issues that were problems and concerns with that. Um, can I just have a brief mention about the Johnstown Compendium and how that ties Why, into sure. what, what you were doing? <laughs> I don't know if they've heard about it yet. <laughs> so uh, We mentioned yesterday the Johnstown Compendium is our community content site for publishing stuff for Glorantha and RuneQuest and the MiraQuest. If you're interested in becoming a writer for Chaosium, and I hope many of you are, a really, really good way to get your foot in the door is by having some community content published. Mm. Even if it's not for RuneQuest and Glorantha, you could write it for the DMs Guild or whatever. But if you've got, when you write your cover letter to Jason saying, hey, I'm really interested in doing this, here's some examples of stuff that I've done 
and we can say, check this out. It's just a really good way of uh, showing us what you're capable of, what you're interested in, and most importantly, that you can see a project through to completion because yes. ideas are really, uh, ideas are great, but following through to getting something to publication is is yeah. another uh, is another part of it. And a case in point is, so we announced the Johnstown Compendium, and I was waiting until we had a number of seed products to go in there to start with. I didn't want to launch it and have nothing there. And so that's why it's taken a little bit longer than uh, I'd hoped, because I wanted to have I wanted to have at least three. And we're actually going to launch it on Friday with four products to start with, which is really great. Mm. And they're examples of people that have written stuff. Um, and Jason can look at what they've yeah. written there and say, hey. Yeah, it is actually a wonderful venue because, I mean, ultimately, I tend to think of in um, RPG publishing, just like novel writing, there are no sprinters. It's only long distance and marathon runners, and that's a big part of it. You need to be able to take something that, you know, execute from beginning to end. I mean, it's wonderful to be able to craft like a short little piece of stuff, but being able to like put a book together from soup to nuts, or even just a manuscript together from beginning to end and have a polished piece of work, that, that says volumes to me. And so having something under the, the Johnstown Compendium is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful vector into having a professional game with us. And the, um, the, the final thing I would just say about that is there are several criteria there that we do not take into consideration. One is actually quality. So you can actually publish stuff there. It doesn't get edited or approved by Chaosium just like stuff on the DMs Guild doesn't get approved by Watsi, and the Call of Cthulhu stuff doesn't get approved by us either. So you can just go ahead and publish it. The other really important thing is it does not have to be canon. It's your Glorantha. You can write whatever you want. And I don't think, Jason, you're not going to see that as an impediment where you no. read something and say, this person's got Glorantha wrong, because that's something we can yeah. work with I mean, you in a In some product. cases, I might go, you know, that's actually better. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. um, no, you know, any, yeah, I'm not going to criticize anyone's work for non-fidelity to existing canon. Mostly, I just want to see, can you finish a product? Does it, does it, you know... Does it have the same level of quality throughout? Um, consistency really uh, will win the race, <coughs> you know, so to speak. Um, next questions. I know you have at least one out there. Yes, you, sir. Um, what about the Q use the request system, but not setting parameters? If you want to do something, say, first says you override request. Would that be considered That is an interesting question. And um, I think we are, Johnstown Compendium is open for stuff using the request. No, oh, it's not? So no, at the moment, the Johnstown Compendium is just for Florantha materials. Oh, okay. John so that may change in the future. Yeah. But at the moment, it, is, oh. it has to be set in Florantha. So maybe you could you do could a the serial numbers <laughs> off. Yeah. It's been set in the first century, but it has to be in Florantha. Okay. A okay. local search will replace 
Well, maybe it could be a maybe it could be a quest world kind of a thing where you go on a uh, you go through a magical portal and end up in you know the Roman Empire and you need to find out how to get back to Florenza as long as it begins and maybe there's a little wiggle room. So so teenage mutant ninja turtles in Florenza. <laughs> sure, they're just. They're a variant of beast people that yeah. have not been discovered yet. They live near a lake. <laughs> Masters of fucking lake. Oof. So, uh, next question. Wait, yeah, you go. Um, and then I'm, there's one over there too. Uh, I'm a musician. Okay. I'm interested in ethnomusicology of different cultures. All right. Uh, I've read through. Not. I. Not. Tons and tons and tons of Florentine source material. Mm -hmm. um, I've got dyslexia. I find reading really big, big, huge blocks of text a thing. But I, I, um, I, I'm interested in collating data about the the different musical themes. So I, I, I guess in theory that would be something you could contribute to on the Jonestown compendium. Yeah, I, I, I do I, record I'm, music, but that, but um, okay. I don't have a lot of acoustic instruments at the moment. Oh. I think that would be kind of cool, actually, to see something like that written for Johnstown Compendium. I don't know that it's something that would have a home in a existing, like a game-oriented project. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I played in... But I mean, we're publishing a Glorantha uh, cookbook, so there's room <laughs> for a lot of uh, interesting stuff. We have to I have <laughs> Sirenscape is someone we work with, uh, and they've done a whole lot of uh, sound sets for Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, I know those guys. Yeah. yeah, and they actually have like a creator studio in it as well, where you can create your own uh, sound sets and things. So that might be something worth investigating to create right. your sound sets in that. Because the, the framework of Drive to RPG lets you yeah. put you audio put, files right. and distribute them. You can. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, the, I played, I ran the, the, the camp in, at PAX, I ran Remembering Caravan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Paul Sullivan's scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got this, uh, it's got this, the character's playing the flute mm. and, and there's a song in it and like I went and recorded that, and I actually bought a recorder to PAX, but it was too loud to, to be able to play the thing. But I mean, uh, yeah, there's yeah, actually that's the kind of thing I I, I I'm, I'm suggesting it because it's probably something that you guys might not have thought of. No, no. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking one of the adventures in um, the uh, the Smoking Ruins adventure is actually some interesting musical bits that might be something. Send oh. me an email and let's talk. I'll email, I'll email you about it. It might be some interesting, nice, uh, we could sort of point people at that and say, there's a couple um, of accompanying musical pieces. Because I've got recording studio equipment. There was a question from that corner. Yes. Sure. Um, you. Two questions. One, so there was files sent out that were pro forma templates. Yeah. So you still have to do that. Nope. No, you don't. That's so people ask for them, we provided them. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to use the templates at all. 
if you use the templates, which are really nice, but if you want to do a good job that time, the, there are only two key things you have to have in the Johnstown compendium. One is you have to have on your credits page the correct licensing language, which relates to Chaosium and One Book Shelf and so on. You still retain the copyright of all your work there. And the other is the front cover has to have the Johnstown compendium logo. Other than that, yeah. what you want. We'll probably have to figure something else out if there's a musical um, <laughs> yeah. piece. So there was sure. a comment that um, no online digital um, system contradictory to it, like on your fantasy ground? Yes, that, that's, that's a one bookshelf thing, that's not a, that's uh, not yeah, a out. That, that's, that cascades down from the higher level. You could essentially it. link to that to say if you wanted a, an expansion pack to run this in about 20 minutes ago. Uh, I'm not really sure how that works, I'd have to look. We have to abide by the rules that one bookshelf who owns drive through RPG has the community content. Right. So essentially, everything that we have there is pretty much exactly the same as if you were going to do something for D&D or do something for Call of Duty or the other game systems that are there. Okay. But if it's possible, we, we'd be up for it. Just to add to that, can I just duplicate older edition visual styles or can I do RQ2 stuff on Johnstown? You can do RQ2 stuff on, you can do RuneQuest Classic, as we like to call it, yeah. you can, yes. Yep. yep. Or even or RQ3, if you were inspired. We'll make this last one. All right. Is there another question? Well, there, question there might be a stupid one. There are no stupid questions. The, the, the physics of a flat earth don't work, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that old, that old chestnut. <laughs> so, so the question I have is when you're extrapolating from what you know to what happens in RuneQuest, right, um, what science can you rely on? Uh, <laughs> so, there, was a, there was a question on one of the, on one of the RuneQuest Facebook things the other day about is air thin at the top of mountains in Minecraft? And um, that depends a lot on how gravity works. And in a flat earth, it works the same way on our earth. So, and, and this is the type of thing that a GM may be asked to sort of, you know, what are the chemical properties of frogs? <laughs> what do they react with? And I'm just wondering if there's any thought being given to, okay, we don't know exactly the answer to all these questions, but what can we work from? I think that the the answer would almost inevitably hew towards the mythic, um, yeah. and that, like for example, my answer would be like, what possible mythic reason would there be for air to get thin? Oh, it's, right. it's the wind spirits stealing yeah. your breath. You and so my my Very personal well. attitude is always find a convincing convincing mythological explanation. Yes. Like works just the same way as on Earth. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. Actually, very quickly on that, there is um. In HeroQuest 1, there was actually a scenario where gravity increases because of an angry Earth spirit. There you go. So gravity gravity does not work in Glorantha as it does on Earth because it's not an attraction to mass to a central point. It's actually because you've got lots of little Earth spirits around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or all the, that the has, Earth. That has an impact on what terminal velocity is and how you... Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for the intro, guys. Um, don't run away. Grab yourself a chair and sit down because the next item of discussion is...